Hello, my name's Ian Forth and welcome to Sombrero Fallout, where we listen to alternative music through the lens of intriguing themes. It's my pleasure to have on as your host in this edition of the podcast, Simon Reynolds. Many years ago, Simon and I were at university together and I wrote a review of Wires 154 for one of Simon's first magazines. Time went on and his journalistic career took off, unlike mine. Simon's worked for all the major league hitters over the years, including Melody Maker, Spin, Rolling Stone, The New York Times, The Village Voice, The Guardian, The Wire, Pitchfork and so on. You might have read his classic book on post-punk, Rip It Up and Start Again. And he's also written many others too on rave music, glam rock and more generally modern music's relationship to popular culture. He's currently working on a book covering the years from the mid-80s to the early 90s. And although he did coin the term post-rock, Simon tells me he's determined not to call this era post-post-punk. I caught up with Simon in Pasadena, Los Angeles via Zoom and he kindly spared some time to take me through some highlights of a life in musical appreciation and journalism. So welcome to uh, Sombrero Fallout, to Simon. Fantastic to have you here. We're joining you from via Zoom. I'm in Melbourne, Simon's in LA and uh, Simon is going to kick off by talking about uh, his first track, which I think goes all the way back to the birth of your interest in music. So take it away, Simon. Yeah, this is, um, you know, this is really the beginning of uh, where I start taking sort of pop music seriously. Um, My younger brother, Tim, uh, a few years younger than me, he uh, came home with uh, a Sex Pistols record. And I think initially it was just a tape of a live concert the injury off Radio One, and um, then he then he brought back um, new boots and panties, and uh, never mind the bollocks. And initially, I was really grabbed mostly by the the swearing, this sort of torrent of foul <laughs> language. But then, you know, but I was also as I listened to this injury record more and more, I, I kind of got into the more poignant stuff in it, and the fact that it was very well written as lyrics. You know, this idea that rock music could be pop music could be like uh, literary or poetic really struck me because I wanted to be a writer so that was one of my big yes right and then the fact it was funny as well so another big interest of mine at that time believe it or not was comedy I I used to be obsessed with Monty Python and the reason that I went to the college we both went to Brazenose is because Michael Palin went there that was the the clincher it was right in the centre of Oxford and relatively cheap but Palin went there. It's good enough for me. Um, so, it, you know, he, he ticked all my boxes. It was literary. The words were interesting, mm. uh, menacing and 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 uh, and irreverent as well. But it had also this. It was funny, you know. Then and then and then also um, the music. Um, I picked this track, my old man, for the funk of it. And I think, in a weird way, this was an entry record for me towards the whole world of funk and disco. And I think of the Blockheads as like the best. Grew band since the Rolling Stones, really. 
Um, but this is a wonderful, poignant sort of portrait of his dad uh, who died. Um, and just, uh, it's kind of really touching, really wry. It's, it's not sentimental. It just sort of captures another human being in this beautifully observed way. So yeah, it just, it, it sort of pulled me into, as much as the Sex Pistols, Ian Jury kind of pulled me into the, the world of rock music.
this is this is the slits ping pong affair and it's from a period when i had two albums <laughs> i literally just had two albums first was was do it yourself by ian jury and the blockers they're more disco-y funk flavored uh second record uh and then i got cut uh by the slits which was their debut album for island records and um i had heard them you know obviously i'd seen the name and it seemed terribly shocking and like you know sort of the female shock equivalent of the sex pistols you know if you think about it in general terms uh i assume that's what they were going for um but um you know so they were like you know seemed like a fearsome group and i heard them on john peel and they were like they were kind of odd and and weird but they were also kind of strangely beautiful and it was yeah. sort of you know, I didn't know at the time that Dennis Bovell had produced the record and he was like a great dub reggae producer. And so it had a wonderful, clear sound and, and um, interesting little rhythms and rhythm guitar ticks and and some of the tracks were like little clockwork contraptions. And then you had these sort of oddly, slightly screeching and shrill harmony vocals. That, you know, they weren't Fleetwood Mac harmony vocals, but For they sure. were other kind of harmonies. And Ari Up, you know, the central singer, but not the other members of the groups harmonizing in this weird, uh, sort of somewhat ungainly way. Um, so I just found this record absolutely mesmerizing. I remember hearing it on Peel actually when I was on holiday in the Yorkshire Dales at my aunt's house. Uh, she, like with my ear pressed this tiny little transistor radio they had. <laughs> uh, then I got the album and um, I picked this song because it's a song that people don't, uh, it's not one of the obvious ones, it's like about a breakup. Uh, I find it kind of poignant. There's this sort of reference to, you know, she's split up with her boyfriend. She has a cigarette every evening. Then same old thing. Yeah, I know everybody does it, which I guess is a reference to masturbation. I assume. <laughs> so that's again, part of this sort of, you know, edgy lyrical content thing in post-punk and new wave. Uh, you might compare it to like orgasm addict by the yeah. Uzcocks, you know, or uh, what, love lies limp by uh, ATV, you know, it's sort of this, uh opening up pop music to sort of unheroic and mundane content but yes. yeah it's utterly enchanting little song i knew you were sitting in your room all alone i knew i was the only girl for you you have told me so but somehow it my mind was
King Pong Affair by The Slits. Now, the next group you're going to talk about, Simon, uh, I think is one which appeals to your intellectual side. I think it's fair to say. And Absolutely, yeah. you, you take the story up. Yeah, so, Squishy Pussy, this is another one that I heard um, on John Peel. And, and I, we were chatting earlier uh, and talked about how important um, John Peel was. You know, you had the music papers come out on a Thursday and you rushed to WX Smith or wherever get you know get one I got one and would flick through the others while standing up and then John Peel you know like there was a little bit of good music in the early evening when you're doing your homework the sort of shows in the yeah. early evening really one a new wave and more accessible stuff but then John Peel had the model of yeah. challenging interesting stuff so I heard this song Bibliotech and I couldn't get my head around it, it was sort of so fractured and uh, weird, but there's something intriguing about them. I think I'd read about them in the music papers. They seem like this sort of shadowy collective on the very periphery of the scene, and everything was kind of encrypted. And then when I got this record, I, I think I got all the records that they put out at that point, was just a single and two EPs. Uh, you started to hear there was a beauty in there, like a kind of fractured melodic beauty. Um, the words are very interesting, very 
you know, I was kind of right for it because I was interested in philosophy and politics. Yes. politics and, so, but, you know, he's going on about language as this kind of control system and um, the, dupli the duplicity of language um, and uh, the text called Bibliotex. I guess that's like, it's spelled differently as a title, but it's like referencing the French for a library. But also the track's vaguely kind of funky and disco-y, so there's some kind of comment on there. You know, something I still don't really totally understand what Green Gutside, the singer and lyricist and guitarist, was on about, but it sort of started a process of think thinking, and that sort of was the next stage of post-punk. I got interested in, you know, after punk has all this sort of anger and direct attacking things, with Scrittability and Gang of Four and other groups like that, they sort of, it's more like politics is something that starts as a process of thinking and critiquing things. And they sort of awoke that in me, or sort of fostered it anyway. Um, so yeah, I've followed whatever Green Gartside has done since, really. Which, 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 which
bibliotech by Scritti Politti. I think we're going to go back in time now, Simon. What's next? And this particular track really blew me away by it's David Crosby's song. And it's um, just the guitar, the relationship with the guitar and the bass, the, the, the wisdom in the lyrics. He wrote it when he was t- like kind of more or less my age then. So he was like, wrote it when he was 22 or something. And it's all about, you know, you mustn't close up, you might be burnt in damage in a relationship, but you mustn't close your heart, you must stay open to the new thing. You could, it could be about love or it could be about anything like, you know. Very much like that sort of Dylan idea of you're not busy being born is busy dying, you know. Very 60s. And so this was my discovery of the 60s, and it felt just right, like, you know, uh, we had this very rational, somewhat somber, conceptual era of music, and now it's time to listen to something more intuitive, more open-hearted. Mm. So I just sort of discovered the 60s, really, you know, like Garage Punk, The Velvet Underground. This is, and I think a lot of people in the, you know, forming groups then, indie groups, you know, groups like Primal Scream or whatever, I think a lot of people would listen to this stuff at the same time. Um, but suddenly everyone is a jangle like the birds, you know. Yeah, fantastic, yeah. Um, well, funnily enough, I've got a friend, Matt, who loved David Crosby so much, he, he called his um, dog, Crosby, but then really? his wife insisted on getting a female dog, so she's Mrs. Crosby, is the name. <laughs> Here it is, the birds. Everybody's been burnt. Everybody has been burned before. Everybody knows the pain Anyone in this place Can tell you to your face Why you shouldn't Try to love someone Everybody knows it never works. Everybody knows and me. I know that door that shuts just before you get to the dream. Behind a bit 
But you die inside If you choose to hide So I guess instead Everybody's been burnt by other birds. And we were just uh, talking a bit about neo-psychedelia and Australia's a bit of a hotbed for that at the minute. So uh, nice and nice connections. But I think we're going in a slightly more avant-garde direction next. Is that right, Simon? Well, I, yes, it is, I suppose. It's, I think it's pretty approachable. And it's quite m- melodic. Uh, but yeah, it's jazz on the ECM label. It's just a record I, I would have borrowed off my friend and sort of margin monitor colleague, later melody maker colleague, David Stubbs. He had a very cool record collection and through him I heard, you know, Can and Faust and those sort of groups. And uh, and this is something, you know, he's very into jazz. And um, so Jan Garbrin is famous for this sort of, you know, uh, people always use words like fjords or, or tundra or something I like to describe. He's called a keening, haunting sort of, saxophone playing and then he's in this quartet on this record Paths Prince uh, from 1982 with Bill Frizzell on guitar, Eberhard Weber on bass, John Christensen on drums. The in- the sax is great, the interplay between Frizzell's guitar and, the- and Weber's bass is just really gorgeous. I think it, although it is, you know, it's jazz and it's this sort of European chambered kind of jazz, I think people used to call it, uh, kind of much more placid in a way and, and uh, space, sort of spaciously produced uh, down a, a lot of jazz from America. Um, I think it does have um, connections to post-punk in the sense that I always thought like if if Vinnie Riley hadn't done any singing, the Jerusalem yeah. Colin could have been on ECM because he's got that virtuosity. It's this, play, you know, intricate playing, very poignant, interesting harmonics going on so this is uh, this is a record from a period when I, my my horizons are widening and through people like david and other people i meet i start to listen to krautrock john martin robert wyatt Roy harper and then this kind of sort of you know left field jazz miles davis as well something that i would have heard for the first time at this at this sort of mid-80s period and uh, that was a real you know ear opener
Kite Dance by Jan Galbrecht, Bill Frizzell, Eberhard Weber and John Christensen. I'll hand back over to Simon. So, yeah, this next one um, is one of the first groups I actually wrote about in a music paper, uh, World Domination Enterprises. Um, I'd heard of them from this, uh, another friend from the magazine we did, uh, Monitor, this guy Chris Scott, who uh, was also the bassist in uh, the indie group Tallulah Gosh. Um, he, you know, he knew about Pete Dobson, the, the sort of Lynch, the guitarist in World Domination Enterprises, from this sort of tape scene. There was a scene where you could uh, sort of ultra DIY, post-punk, had no very noisy records recorded in people's bedrooms and then released on tape cassettes. On and, you know, people would even, um, you know, just say, just send us a blank cassette and we'll give you our music, you know, <laughs> and a stamp address on like. And Keith Dobson used to do a label called Fuck fuck off records <laughs> and uh, for all this kind of ultra diy sort of music uh, uh very badly recorded music then he formed a sort of group that was really impressive called world domination enterprises and he had a guy who worked a rough trade group and distribution i think called called um steve jameson on bass a guy who just called himself digger was the drummer um, uh, and did this really pounding <laughs> drumming he looked like you know someone who it was called Digger, should be called. And they were both really into reggae. Um, and so it's sort of very noisy guitar, but there's a sort of reggae bass undertow to it that gives it a real rhythmic pull. And um, yeah, they were just sort of, you know, part of this noisy guitar scene in the late, late 80s, but they had a sort of edge that no one else had, which was this sort of rhythmic thing. They were really, I think I once called them, uh, in one of the pieces I did, I called them the Sly, you know, the rhythm guys, the Sly and Robbie of of current Brit indie music, <laughs> the British underground. And they were really chuffed by that, especially Steve Jameson, who sat yeah. along with the bassist, because he was someone who went to sound systems in West London and was into Jar Shaka and all this kind of stuff. Yeah. So and I, the only other thing I'll say about them is, I saw them play Croydon Underground to 22 people, uh, including me. Oh. It's like the best gig I've ever seen. <laughs> Certainly top three. It was just like, they were like, like wild animals playing. It was just, yeah. uh, I feel like a bit like maybe seeing Captain Beefheart would have been in, in their heyday, you know.
asbestos, lead asbestos by world domination enterprises. Uh, next, I think we're going to be hearing about a band that we did a special on a few, um, a short while ago on the show, uh, including the influence um, of this band. So you, you take it away, Simon. Yeah, you know, when you're, um, I was writing for the music press uh, from about 1986 onwards, and, uh, you know, when you're a young young man, young writer, you kind of want to rave about things and champion things. And, and initially, I was slim picking. There wasn't a lot to rave about. You know, there was world domination enterprises. I did like the go-betweens. I did the Mekons put out some good records. There was a band called Stump. There was, it was a kind yeah. of like dead yeah. scene. Um, and then suddenly you started to get some really exciting groups coming out of London and the UK and My Bloody Valentine were one of them. Um, they were an interesting man because they, they had one of those long build-ups, not quite as long as Pulp, but like they were really bad at first. They were like a bad sort of goth. They were. Kind of birthday party imitators. They had a yeah. guy singing. Um, and then they were just sort of mediocre. They would seem very trying to sound like Huskadoo and Dinosaur Jr. Uh, but something happened where Kevin Shields worked out a way to play his guitar um, in this unique way, uh, using uh, this guitar, the Jazzmaster, which you could like use the tremolo arm to make this strange, uh, blurry, amorphous swarms of, of, of noise. Um, but I suppose, you know, the other thing about them, uh, is they have great songs, you know, like if they were just making the noise, it probably wouldn't yeah. be as powerful. But it's the sort of sweetness and poignancy of the songs and those sort of sighing soft vocals merging with a wall of noise that just is perfection. And um, this is a EP song. They did an EP called uh, Feed Me With Your Kiss. They did these two fantastic EPs in 1988 and then ended the year with the album Isn't Anything. And I believe um, it's like on this EP, the Feeding With Your Kiss EP, and it's just uh, so many fantastic songs in, in a burst, you know, like, wow. An album's worth, and then almost another album's worth on these five yeah. EPs. Um, and, yeah, it was just so exciting to, to have something happening in real time that I could, like, rave about and claim things for. And there was a whole bunch of other bands at that time, the Pixies and the... Uh, throwing muses and uh, House of Love and I don't know, just loads of stuff suddenly seemed to be happening. Spaceman 3. Um, and it, it was just a really thrilling time.
I believe by my bloody Valentine. Now, we did a um, 30 years since Lovelies episode, but also when the following gentleman left us last year or the year before, we did a tribute episode to him. That's Richard H. Kirk. And Simon's going to tell us about why he's chosen one of his tracks. Well, you told me that um, your show, the heartland of your show is is postponed. So I thought most of the things that uh, we're playing today are sort of somehow connected to it. Um, and yes, Sweet Exorcist was a project that Richard H. Kirk from Cabaret Voltaire did with a, a Sheffield DJ who called himself DJ Parrot. And um, it's a lot more cleanly produced and danceable friendly than even the most danceable attempting stuff that Cabaret Voltaire did got, you know, it, it, Sweet so, yes, had like kind of you know uh tracks that you know were dance floor rave floor hits really big on the rave scene um but you can hear you can hear that's even still you can hear the richard h kirk sensibility in this track there's like dubby sort of effects uh reflecting his love of dub reggae um it's full of strange lovely little melodies and um i think it's a beautifully produced piece of electronic music.
Punk's Coming by Sweet Exorcist uh, and Richard H. Kirk. Now we're going to take a bit of a musical, I won't say detour, but yeah, I will say detour, I think, because um, Simon's going to take us in a couple of directions uh, that are, are fresh bands to the show, and we're looking forward to it. Take it away. So Ruffage Crew, that's um, one of, uh, an alter ego for Goldie, one of the sort of big names in Jungle, uh, who became sort of like a household name and even appeared in EastEnders, I think, and um, very charismatic guy. And he and a couple of other people were Ruffage Crew. Um, and they were on, uh, at this point, a label called Reinforced, who, a bit like a sort of London equivalent to Warp Records, very interesting, far out, but still working on the dance floor kind of music they put out, and a great flood of it in the early mid nineties. So this is the point which I'm, I'm like now a raver, like, you know, I've, I've still writing a bit about rock music, uh, my early Valentine and, and pavement and these kind of groups, but I'm going to clubs and raves and I've gravitated towards this scene that is, um, you know, played on pirate radio, uh, hardcore it was called at one point, then it, people call it jungle. It's, it's a mad mashup of techno with, Dub elements, reggae bass lines, hip hop break beats, samples from you know, all over the place.
crew and menace uh, fronted by goldie who we think are from wolverhampton rather than from coventry although there is a coventry connection there okay so staying on the, that side of the tracks we've got um, some some more high energy stuff coming up uh, tell us about it simon um well it's just actually it's not that high <laughs> but Low it is related it's, it's hip-hop before he was um <laughs> before he was like taking dance music Goldie was a, a b-boy, a British b-boy. He did graffiti, breakdancing, all that kind of stuff. And this is sort of hip-hop from the south of America, from Atlanta. This group, Trio Migos. Um, and people call their kind of music trap. It's basically like, you know, people, it is dance music, but it's um, not like manic. And um, uh, what's interesting me about this is the way they use auto-tune. Uh, like they were one of the groups another one is this guy future also from atlanta uh who they rap while have and the auto tune on and it sort of innately pushes them to kind of move into a zone somewhere between rapping and singing like you know the auto tune kind of turns what they're saying into these sort of melodic trills and stuff and so they push that effect and um and i think it's just this kind of otherworldly music it's really weird because the lyrics are often about the same old gangster stuff you know boasting about your expensive watch sex stuff stuff like cars you know often vaguely threatening stuff boasting but the way the vocals are protested it becomes much more ethereal and psychedelic and you kind of forget about the lyrics and um, a lot of it i think is to do with drugs i think it's another connection with rave in a way is that they're on different drugs that they're on um, they're sort of often lyrically they reference Percocet and Xanax and these sort of prescription uh, cough syrup is another one these sort of prescription drugs that are kind of dissociative so they're kind of in this people use this word faded they're kind of in this sort of out of it blurry mind state 
and you sort of pick that up. Uh, and the, I think the music is just really beautiful. Like it's got this twinkly quality. It sort of reminds me of the Aphex Twin and kind of Warp Records, electronic music of the early 90s. So there's a sort of weird mismatch between the lyrics that are kind of still quite tough and boastful and it's almost kind of androgynous gentleness uh, of the sort of vocal style when filtered through auto-tune.
ghost. No. And we know you flow. Everything you say is false. false. I'ma script his jaw. Pay the ticket, you get off. No navigation needed or a GPS at all. No. My neck and wrist conceited, full of Fiji and it costs. Mirror, mirror, with the richest niggas of them all. Mirror. The mirror spoke to me and said, No cap, I think it's y'all. We can ride in. I'ma slide on that bitch outside then I'ma make sure my wrist on ice then I'ma make sure my wrist on fire Top ten on the north by Migos. Now a real uh, a real handbrake turn into our next artist. Yes, June Tabor uh, with Martin Simpson, Heather down the moor. Um, and this is a song. It's just an absolutely delight. She, um, June Tabor is kind of famous for her sort of haunting, vaguely kind of baleful slower songs like the Scarecrow or the King of Rome. Uh, it's a song. One of her favorite songs is "What's Something to Tell like about you know um, Australian troops dying in yeah. Gallipoli. Yeah, she the does these sort of sad it, songs, somber, very somber songs. But she does occasionally do these delightful gambling frolics, frolics and songs, like this one, "Heather Down the Moor." Another one is "When When When Gamekeepers Lie Sleeping," which is a song about uh, poaching. You know, the gamekeepers sleeping, oh. so go out and go poaching. It's a like late nineteenth century song. Um, and this is just a, such a delightful vocal performance. And it's if I could sing, this is the song I would want to sing. <laughs> it's just pure gaiety. It's a, actually it's a song. Of, essentially, it's a song about. I think it's about Nookie taking place in the heather by a young man who spies a bonnie shepherdess. <laughs> but it's sort of you know it's not exactly explicit, but you know it's a very charming song. Uh, there's a lyric that goes something like. My heart as light as any feather, which really captures mm. the butterflies in the stomach feeling of uh, uh, teenage romance. <laughs> Absolutely lovely. Um, June Tabor with Martin Simpson on this occasion and Heather Dan the Moor. One morning they went fields were gay, serene and pleasant was the weather. And a very bonny lass, she was sweeping the dew from among the heather down the moor. And among the heather, o'er the morn, through the heather. A spider lass, and a very bonny lass, she was sweeping the dew from among the heather down the moor. Barefooted was she, she was comely dressed, that I had bought neither hat nor feather. 
to flutter up neatly round the west The street flip through the bloom and hands are down the moon And among the head or the morn through the dark She'd flutter up neatly round the west The street flip through the bloom and hands are down the moon I stepped up to this fair young maid Tell me your name, come tell me who thou She answered me down with the bunny burn sign And I found to know of my youth to gather down the moon and among the head or the born through the love. She answered me down with the bunny burn sign, and I found to know my use together down the wall. I courted her that blue flung day, my heart was light as any feather. Until the beams of the red setting sun come a shining down, and among the head down the wall. And among the head or the born through the Sun come shining down and among the light down the wall. June Tabor with Martin Simpson, Heather Down the Moor. And for our last track tonight, we were just briefly discussing this group before we started, uh, came back on again. Simon and I agree. I think they are both our favourite modern group. But you you tell us a bit more, Simon. Yeah, um, dry cleaning. Yeah, there's just something that uh, really, particularly with the new long leg, the, the first album, it just really connected with with me um I, it, it came out in the height of covid uh and the, the lyrics were just uh and the delivery the cadences of florence shaw um are just so funny heartbreaking be- beautifully observed um the language uh the, the sort of very dry humor it just pressed all my buttons and um, I love the Englishness of it. Um, and I think the things that she's talking about uh, sort of, uh, I guess, a kind of low level depressive malaise, a feeling of exhaustion and numbness, uh, you know, and the inanity of uh, this current social cultural moment um, well, inanity and insanity, but uh, she has a particular ear for sort of, you know, fatuous things people say on the internet and uh, things, I think she probably overhears a lot of things on public transport as well. She folds that in with her own thoughts. It's just so beautifully done. And the music is really good as well, which is a bonus. I mean, it's, uh, on this album, 
uh, with this track leafy and you know like it is kind of more rooted in post punk than the, the the more recent record stunt work but um yeah it's sort of like um a bit joy division maybe in the bass lines um i just think it's just fantastic you so much simon uh, i'll let you get back to your la evening i don't know if you've got anything planned not going to a rave no raving in my life anymore i'm going to yeah. be making some polenta and uh and then just watching tv <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think that's that's the night ahead of me uh, it comes to us all i mean there's nothing wrong with it uh, polenta is nice as well so as well as, as raving Thank you so much, and um, hopefully at some point, not quite sure where in the world, we'll we'll 
Yeah, well, that would be nice. If you're ever in LA, look me yeah. up and I'll look you up if you're in Melbourne. Melbourne. Thanks so much, Simon. Okay, cheers for now. Bye.